Hey, business building warrior. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host, Jim Cockrum, and we have a weekend update episode for you. As often as we can, we're going to compile some of the best moments from recent episodes, just in case you missed something, or if you want to be re-reminded of some of the greatest tips and strategies, some of those compelling, maybe emotional moments from some of the recent podcast episodes, some things to really get you fired up and motivated. Maybe you're going to work hard this weekend and knock out some good action on your business. Well, this is a great podcast episode to take with you, our weekend updates. These are short segments, little clips from recent episodes that you may have missed. Now, keep in mind, if you want to hear the full episode for anything you're about to hear, just check the show notes. Go to silentgym.com, find this podcast episode, and look for the show notes. We'll tell you exactly which episode each of our clips were pulled from, so you can go check out the full thing if you'd like. But in any case, thanks for being a listener to this show. Thanks for being a part of the, the growing community of people who enjoy and benefit from the Amazon and e-commerce training that we provide in this community. So one little reminder... All the great people you're going to hear today being interviewed, the discussions I'm having, they all have something in common. They are all students of the Proven Amazon course, the most established, most success-filled, most frequently updated, most cutting-edge Amazon training course that's great for anyone from brand new sellers who've never sold anything before online to some of the most advanced sellers you'll ever meet. They're all using the Proven Amazon course, strategies, or our coaching program. There's links to both at silentgym.com, as well as a link to our free Facebook group, where we've got, as I record this, over 71,000 members who are interacting from around the world using the strategies that we teach on this podcast and in our content. So let's jump into the weekend update. Thanks for listening. We'll have brand new episodes for you very soon. So keep listening, keep checking back. Enjoy the weekend update. So I signed up for Jimmy's course and uh, and I started doing it. And and after the first couple of days of his course, uh, I I went out and, and decided to uh, to set up camp in my in my local Walmart. And I went through, and it took me two hours to go through the first row, uh, the first aisle. But over the period of a couple of weeks, I had been there so much that people were coming up to me asking me, hey, where do I find this? And where do I find that? It's like, I don't know. But even the employees started coming around and, hey, how you doing? Because here I am with a cart and I've got five of this and five of that and 10 of this. And you're standing in one spot for half an hour at a time. <laughs> you got it. So I went through and I did it and I developed my list of, uh, uh, I think I was up to about 80 or 90 replens. And uh, I found a couple of uh, ways that it made it easier for me to do it. So that would be a tip that would be great that I think people might be interested in. People have a tendency to overcomplicate things. And that's the greatest thing about the PAC course. It's the greatest thing about Jimmy's course. It's do it simple, do it smart. And one of the things that I find that was overcomplicating is people would go out and they would find one product, they'd find one replen, and then they would go on to the next one. Well, I'd find a replen, and then I'd start looking for how many different variations of this product, multi-packs, bundles, I could get out of this one product. So when I did find one thing on the shelf, it led to 10, 15 replens. 
Um, I have a list right now of about 200 viable replens. Now, obviously, when scaling, money becomes an issue. And so a lot of these replens, I'm still waiting to, to get into my pipeline because, you know, I've got to build up. But half of my replens all come from, okay, I found this flavor or this color of product. What other flavors or colors are now selling? And what other bundles can I make with them? What other multi-packs can I do? And that's how I developed my business. Let me talk to the skeptics for just a moment because I'm always cautious about the new listeners in our community and they may be writing off this business model because of some of the things they think you're saying right now that aren't as restrictive as maybe they're thinking they are. One of them is, okay, I'm not going to go stand for three hours or two hours at a time in the middle of a grocery store. Can I still do this? Absolutely. That's one of many ways that this business can be done. We can uh, also just go to the store, take your phone, take a picture of a section of the store. What I like to do before I take those pictures is I'll flip around so the UPC is showing and the front is showing. So if you got two of the same product, you turn one of them around so you show the UPC barcode and you also see the product title, you know, brand, how many ounces it is, and just do that on 20 or 30 products, which it's really weird for people looking at you, wondering what you're doing, but you take your picture, you put your stuff back nice and neat, you go home and you could spend your time there. So you spend 30 seconds, a couple minutes in the store, and then you go home and do your research there, right? Or you could never go into a store if you want. You could do it all online. We have plenty of people that do this model completely online, buying stuff. We call that the online arbitrage strategy. Uh, but the beauty of it is finding replens. And I always like to ask people, you know, before we go on with your story, I'd like to hear, what is a replen to you? If you had to define it to somebody who, maybe they've sold on Amazon or they understand the concept. Like you, they fooled around maybe with yard sales and books and scanning stuff in the clearance section of a store. And they've been a little frustrated. Maybe they made a little money, but they're kind of frustrated. Convince that person that replens is different. What is, what is a replen? Well, first thing I would want to say is that we need to be careful, and I see this in all aspects of life outside of Amazon as well, outside of what I'm doing here, mm-hmm. and that is people have a tendency to take a word and shoehorn it into what they think it means, yes. and then they blame the people that teach them it when it doesn't work out. I'm a strong believer in, you know, this word has this meaning. Let's use it properly. I could do a whole episode on that. Yeah, I find that even in my home inspection business, when I'm going to explain something to somebody and they come back and they say, well, don't you mean this? And it's like, no, 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 that you've misunderstood. That's something completely different. This is what I mean. Uh, we, we've become so worried that we have to read between every line that no people no longer take words at face value anymore. So with that in mind, to me, a replen is something that you can buy at a regular price that you can sell over and over and over again and not have to go out and reevaluate it or to do your first time evaluation on a product. When you, to me, when you go to the clearance section, you find a product, you evaluate it. That's great. But once that product is not on clearance anymore, now you've got to reevaluate it to determine if it's still worth selling later. So that's one of my tips is I like to look at the, the regular price that I can get a product for 
is it replenishable? Is it profitable at that level? If I'm able to three times a year buy it on sale, that's extra cash in my pocket. I don't need to worry about it. But if I know I can buy something, a $5 widget every day, all day, and it's profitable and it's always profitable, that's a replay. That's right. There's no special discounts needed. You don't have to wait for the sales. You you know exactly how many units are going to sell. Not exactly, but any given month, you're pretty stinking close. Are you worried about other sellers hopping on your products? Um, yes and no. I'm I'm not worried about them as much because I'm not buying things on sale where I only have a limited amount of time to get the product. I know the product will sell at the price that I that it's uh, that I've at. I know what my margin is. Now I have grown to be a large enough seller that I rely solely on a repricer and I do have my minimum sale price. But that minimum sell price I rarely meet. And if I do meet it, it's only for a short enough time for somebody that wants to come in and torpedo themselves in the foot to sell their product out, and then I get my price again. Sure. Or even the worst case scenario might be that they found a source that you can't find and you can't compete with them on price anymore. But that's one of, what'd you say? How many ASINs? 900? <laughs> 200. 200. Well, you'll be at 900 in no time. Well, yeah, but I'm doing this all. That's one thing that you're, that the audience would need to know. Cash. I'm doing this all on my own. Yeah. I don't have a, a fulfillment center. I don't have a prep, prepping people. Right. I work a full-time job just like a lot of people do. Beautiful. Now, my job is uh, a self-employed business. So some days I have a lot more hours than, than a nine-to-five job would give. But then there's other days where I'm working 12 hours at my other job and I come back and I work another five, six hours. Right. So your, some of your restrictions right now are the prepping and packing time required to keep up with your ASINs then is what I just heard you say. Oh, definitely. And the cash flow as well. You wanted to remain cash flow positive. You're not wanting to go deep into the hole to, to, to dig out later. You're trying to, are you trying to keep it pretty much uh, positive cash flow at every step? Well, I am using credit cards. The strong benefit of the, about the replans, and it's it, a lot of people, like you mentioned, ask, well, do you have to stay in the store the whole time? Can you do it online? Can you do it through pictures? Well, you can. Yes, you can. There's one thing that people aren't getting, uh, aren't catching on to, and that is the fact that it's a short-term time investment. Yeah, I, I would spend five hours a day in Walmart for about two weeks while I was figuring out those initials. But once I started getting a list of replens that I could just buy again and again and again, my time spent in the store dropped dramatically. I was no longer spending five hours in the store. I'd be in and out in an hour with two carts full of stuff that I know sell because I already sold them. Right. You're just replenishing your stuff. That's all it was. I mean, it's... That's the name. uh, Jimmy will get really mad at me for saying this. uh, But in the 18 months that I did it, uh, I would do... uh, I spent two, three weeks in Walmart for hours. I did the replens. I got my 90 and 90 days uh, type thing. You know, 90 and 30 days is uh, his challenge. Uh, But then I got so busy just replenishing those that for about four months, I stopped going to the store to find more. 
right. because I couldn't do right. it. You can drift on that momentum. You got it. And and one of By the, the things that came up, what, that's how I actually learned. Okay, I got to spend. I got to find more, but I I don't have the time to do another five hours. So I started looking at my replan list and started looking at again variations. I started looking at, uh, at you know different flavors or colors or you know, even the box size being different. Well, what, you know, can I sell a bigger box? Yeah, they sell great. And how I'll go get them. You know, once you find replens, it's so easy to expand and grow from that, that, yeah, okay, you might spend quite a bit of time in the beginning finding the replens. But once you do, you're not necessarily doing it unless you want to. Right. You can establish a lot of momentum and drift quite a long ways off those that first short period of intense focused effort and finding those replans. There's a couple of benefits uh, of the way I'm doing it that work for me. Obviously, they might not work for everybody. I'm in a, in a really good position. I'm only a couple hours from the U.S. border. Okay. Uh, I love going out and, and just doing a lot of manual labor. It's the kind of person I am. Uh, so I go out, I, I found my products. I, I do have a team, though unorthodox. I actually have three stores that I deal with where I have the purchasing manager's phone number. So whenever I want to play, whenever I want to buy something and I need a skid of this or 200 of this or 10 or five, I, I text them, I call them, I say, okay, here's my list for the week. And they, they're like, okay. We'll let you know when it's in. And I get a text message back, you know, a couple of days later. Okay, the product's going to be in tomorrow. Come and get it. So I've enlisted the buyers, the buying managers as my buyers. And I don't have to pay them. Well, you are paying them. You're buying product from them, right? <laughs> They're ordering it special for me. Now, I did that by telling the telling the, the managers, by telling the people at the store, look, I want to buy this product from you. If I found a really good product and I tested it a lot, okay, I never sidestepped testing. If I tested it, now I'm up to buying 100 or 150 every month, then, then I, would, I don't want to clear their shelves. I want to be respectful to them and their customers. So, so I order it and then I come in and they bring it out of the back for me and, and I pay for it and I go. So take us through this. I'm sure it's a horribly complex process of, and if you detect the tongue in cheek, of establishing a relationship with a store manager. Was that a complex process? No, no. It's you know just going out and asking them and saying, "Look, you know what? I've been buying you know ten of these or fifteen. I want to start buying more." Yeah, you just ask for the store manager and have that conversation, right? I asked uh, one of the customer service reps, "Who would I talk to about about buying through you guys?" And and they brought up somebody. In this particular case, it wasn't a store manager. In this particular case, it was a buying manager. The evening store manager. And, and I said, look, you know, I, I'm buying a lot of product from you. I, don't, I really don't want to be clearing your stores. Is there any way that I can give you an order that you can add to what you're bringing in and, and let me know when it comes in and I'll come and buy it from you? And they're like, yeah, definitely. I mean, they even contact me uh, on a regular basis. Hey, we just got this new product in. Are you interested in it? You know, we can get this in. We can get that in. That's awesome. I, and are these, I'm sure there's, you know, let, let's help answer the skeptics' questions. 
are these name brand stores that we'd recognize? Like, are these big chains or are these like little mom and pops that you're doing this with? These are big chains, very big chains up here in Canada. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I buy some of my products through Costco. Okay, which is no different than yours. Um, up here, we have a, a store called Loblaws, which would be akin to your Wegmans. Okay. Akin to which one? Uh, Wegmans or like your, your grocery stores. Mid-sized, yeah, grocery store. Yeah, chain. well, yeah. these guys sell grocery and they sell clothes and they sell household items. Well, the Loblaws brand has four or five different banners underneath it. So, you know... But they, they are big. They're, they're not mom and pop stores by, all, by any means. So the, the point is, if you're just brave enough to have a conversation. Yeah. That's the only thing standing between you and, and basically hiring someone to source for you that's paid on commission. Yeah. <laughs> right? Have the conversation. I just happened to have a conversation and said, can you, can you order this stuff for me? And I even went so far as to, instead of me asking them for their number, I turned around and said, look, here's my phone number. Here's what I want you to get for me. Let me know when it's in. And sure enough, they started texting me. And I said, okay, can I, I I have more product that I'd like you to get. Can I send you a list? And they're like, yeah, sure. So now once a week, I send them a list. And a couple of times a week, they let me know product has come in and I go and pay for it. And they're even bird dogging for you on some new products. Maybe you can check out giving you the... You got it. Uh, and a lot of times those new products make great replens. They do. They do. You, because you kind of become trained to spot things that you haven't seen before. Like they jump off the shelf at you a little bit and like, that's a replen. I can tell before you even research it. Have you had that happen? I have, but I'll be honest with you. Um, everybody looks for a niche. I don't even know if it's niche, niche. Who knows? I don't either. I've gave up trying. <laughs> I've been doing this 20 years and I have no idea. But uh, everybody's looking for a niche. And, and I happen to come across a niche that works for me, okay? So I rarely look outside my niche. Um, mm. But remember that niches can be anything. In my case, my niche is that my product is local, that, that my products are things that I can get, but my market can't. I'm in Canada. I sell it on .com. There's, would you believe there's a lot of things that are made for the Canadian market that aren't for sale in the U.S. Makes total sense. So that's that's what I work at. But I, I mean, I've got my relationship. I've got my buying uh, all down. Uh, I, I bring it back. I do all my own packing. Um, now, at this point, a lot of people would be like, okay, well, you can always use one of these companies that'll take it across the border, but they're expensive. And I'll be honest with you, when I first started, um, for my whole life, I've always been a, uh, there's two kinds of people, either those that have more money than time and those that have more time than money. And I've always felt myself to be a more time than money. So for me to get down, roll up my sleeves, get my elbows dirty and do the work, knowing the value I'm creating is that I'm not going to see it on an hourly wage. But I'm going to see it in the growth of a business. One thing that wasn't touched on in that $534,000 was 29,000 products. That was 29,000 individual products that I bought, packaged, and drove down across the border. Wow. To save yourself the money of having a third-party service help you. You got it. So I actually take the time. It sounds weird. 
But it, for me, it's a five-hour round trip. And I drive down to, uh, I'm in Ontario, I drive down to Niagara Falls, and I drop the packages off at the local UPS. Oh, I thought we used to drop them over the waterfall. Okay. <laughs> That's probably better to go to the UPS store. <laughs> yeah, well, but because of that, I actually save about 80% off my shipping fees. So do the math for me for a second. Sure. How much money did you save doing that? Let's just do a little math for a second. Approximately. Up here, it would cost me around $15 a box to get it across the border. Okay. okay. Well, I, uh, I ship usually around 25 to 30 boxes. So we're talking about $500 a shipment, a shipment. to go across the border to get it to Amazon. And how many shipments did you do? Um, I, I'm doing uh, three, three or four a week. Okay, so... So that's about, that's $1,500 to $2,000, right? Yes. But just on one, it's $500 right. to ship one shipment for me, okay? But it costs me about $150 through Amazon's, uh, you know, purchase, payment to UPS. Mm-hmm. But then it only costs me $40 in gas to drive down and back, and five hours of my time. So if I'm re- realistic at, at, at $30 an hour, which is high, it's, only co- it's not even costing me $200 to take it down. Right. But it's saving me almost $500. Numbers can be hard to follow over an audio video like this. So that for, the, for the sake of the listener, let's break it down real simple. Sure. I'm going to actually ask you a question about how you could possibly improve the process that you just described. Uh, but you're saving a significant amount of money by driving it down. I am. And my proposal is you could be having someone else do that and freeing up your time and using that time to find more ASINs. Why aren't you? Two reasons. One, in, in the COVID time right now, it's a little difficult to expand. And I would rather expand on other areas first. Hiring somebody to drive stuff down, sure, it would relieve me of more, make more time, but all I would be doing is trying to package more product. And no offense, I'd prefer to pay somebody to package. So you probably start there with the packaging. You drive them, you enjoy the drive more. These are all basic math. If you know your numbers, everything we're talking about right now are math decisions. They're math-based decisions. Of course. So as you're keeping track of, and I'm betting you're the kind of guy that could break it down right off the top of your head. Maybe not, but you could get pretty close. What are you earning per hour to run this operation? What are you putting in the bank? Um, I'm putting in the bank about $50 an hour. So if to bring someone else on for 10 an hour, assuming they work the same amount you do, you're, now you're only making 40, but you're able to focus on the growth. Of course. Are you with me? So at the point that you're able to do that, that's a, so $50 an hour, let's, just, let's hang there for just a second, Gene. Yep. There's people right now going hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt, getting an education. It's not going to ever produce a 50,000 or 50, it would basically be a hundred thousand dollar a year income. $50 an hour is about a hundred thousand a year. I messed up my math because I just sat down with my accountant and, and my numbers on that 530,000 in sales, my profits, $160,000. Okay. So I think I'm off. I'm at, I must be up about 75. 75. I must be at $75 an hour. Yes, you are at least. If it, it, and that's assuming you're working at pretty much pretty close to full time. I, and that, that I am. That I am. Okay. 
So that's a fair number to work with. 70, you're, you're earning $75 an hour. So my example is even better on what I was about to say. Now we're talking about 150000 approximately. The way to convert an hourly wage, by the way, is a little tip for the listener to what your annual income is associated with it is just to double it and then add three zeros. So if you're earning $10 an hour, that's $20,000 a year. If you're earning $50 an hour, that's $100,000 a year, approximately. Okay? Right. Um, so you're saying $75 an hour, that's $150,000 a year income, basically. Right? And... There's people right now getting educated, going hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt. And the highest aspiration that he could ever hope to achieve with that career choice, many in many, many cases, is $50,000, $70,000 a year, maybe if they're lucky. They're very, very fortunate. I mean, it's just, it's incredible for the price of a course that we charge a few dollars for. In your spare time, you can have a business with these kind of numbers if you're ready to do the work. And that's an important part of it, Jim. You have to be ready to do the work. Yes, there's work involved. You're going to be packing. And you don't have to do like Gina's done. You don't have to be the one that drives. You don't have to be the one that... Like, we're shipping out of our warehouse any given day, a couple hundred products, You know, on a, probably on a slow day, a couple hundred, um, just a round number, into our account, into some of our clients' accounts, some days more, some days less. I'm not touching any of the boxes. I'm not buying the boxes. I'm not buying the tape. We've got a team that does these things, right? So I've got a team. I'm not doing a lot of the driving. I love getting out and finding new ASINs though. I'm really one of the best at it on our team. So I'll go out and find new $5, $10, $50 a month income streams. Anytime I have some spare time, why not? Got the system on the back end. So that's what this can grow into. I look for replants. Now, I'm, I go up against Amazon. I go up against uh, FBA, you know, five, 10 seller FBA. My favorite replants are ones that the only people that do that sell it are, are merchant fulfilled. Because once I turn around and I send five or 10 in and they sell out in three days, and, and then I end up taking over, the, taking over the listing. Yeah, you own the buy box. Yeah, I take over the buy box. But the other one, I actually look for listings that are no longer available and then see if I can find the product. I've revived listings. So just because the the sales rank says, you know, 600,000, well, if it hasn't sold in five months, of course, it's going to be high. Why not send five in? Yes, test it. That's brilliant. I love that you said that. Even if it's been out of stock for a very long time, it's worth testing. Yeah. So you start to develop these instincts. That was actually one of my biggest sellers was a product that I found that had been out of stock for five months on Amazon that I turn around and I sent in a few here and a few there. And I I started with five. I went to 10. Inside of three months, I was selling 200 a month. And it, and it was, it's a little, it's a little $17, $18 product. Like it's not, you know, a huge expensive. It's not super cheap. I was actually making 300% ROI on that. Wow. And so your buy price was 17, 18 bucks? No, no. The sale price was 17, 18. My buy price was $2. Four or five. Okay, two. Wow. Oh yeah, 300%. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's pretty lightweight, fairly lightweight. That's a nice one. I love it. And it was selling 200 and change a month. Yep. Yep. That's a little, that's a little income stream that pays all your utility bills. And it's just go buy the one I need. You want to go buy more when I need them and you know right where to get them. How hard is it to find this item when you need more? 
Uh, in my case, because I priced it, I priced it at the regular price, and I found a supplier that, to, to some degree, I mean, I've been having a little bit of issues. They're they're not wanting to bring it in by the skid for me because the, uh, you know, it, it. I don't know. They they just they're not able to get it that fast anymore. So I've had to scale it down a bit. And let's be honest. Uh, I mean, after I sold it for two or three months and I was the only seller, I'm sure some of Jimmy's people jumped on top of it. And now we've got seven or eight people selling on it. But you know what? I, I mean, my my goal, and I've, and I've started to try to work it out, is to get into doing some private label. I just turned 50 uh, just before Christmas. And uh, I'm, by this summer, I'm going to be retiring from my home inspection business. The only reason that we're waiting is because my wife and I just bought a brand new build and the uh, mortgage broker let us know that even though I'm doing really well with Amazon, the banks want to see a little bit of duration, a little bit of stability before they, they'll allow my Amazon income. So they want me to keep my, my, my home inspection business for my, for my mortgage. But once we get into the new house, I'm going to retire from home inspections. I'm going to do Amazon completely. And at the same time, my goal is to be able to, uh, is to use the money I'm making with the way I'm doing it now to pay for being able to expand in a different direction. I'm looking at doing private label and sending it to a 3PL. That way I don't have to touch it anymore. But I'm making some good margins on this that I can afford to pay for that now. So how are you coming up with your private label ideas? Is is it um, something that you've kind of seen trends on Amazon and this, you know, some of the niche? A couple of different methods. First of all, I'm one of your coaching students. I've been working with one of your coaches. Um, and I've also come across a couple of different uh, a couple of different things. I'm a numbers person, so I'm more software oriented. Uh, I'm not uh, I, at this point. I don't think I'm ready to create the new wheel to sell, but I'm. I think I'm more looking for a. You know what? Here's a product that it's it's popular, but it's not too saturated, and you know, see if I can do something that way type of a PL. You know, get the process down with something that I'm not completely risking everything on type thing and then go into so not quite the uh, private label the easy way that Ryan and Jenny teach because I still I'm still not at, in, into the repacking because unfortunately I'm not in the states it's harder to deal with US manufacturers but an actual bringing something in from somewhere else and calling it my own, and then maybe I'll get into, you know, designing my own products, that type of thing. You're wading into it. Yeah, very organically. That's beautiful. And that's the path that we suggest. Unfortunately, I'm a step-by-step. I, I can't do the whole jump in and hope I don't, uh, hope I don't sink. I mean, you know, I, I've only got a limit. We don't teach that model. I mean, I, I encourage people away from it. Regardless of personality type, there's just simply no reason to risk. Right. Well, it's not the risk. It's the it's the time sink. Uh, I mean, I already know that the way I'm doing it, I'm making I'm I'm making decent money with my time. Uh, you know, if I'm going to take time away from this, I don't want to risk too much going the other way. But but that's my goal. Because my, my goal is in four or five years, uh, be pretty much hands off with everything I'm doing here, 
if it even continues, uh, you know, after that, I mean, I fully expect in four or five years, if I, unless I find more ASINs, obviously, you, as there was somebody on a podcast that would say that if you're not constantly growing your business, your business is slowly failing. Hmm. Who could that be? I think that was one of your earlier podcasts, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I've used that phrase frequently. Actually, that's some wisdom from Daniel Lappin. Uh, it the same goes for it's it's faith, friendships, finance, fitness. You know, in all arenas of life, the significant arenas of life, you're either growing or dying. Yep. Relationships, family, either improving those relationships or they're getting weaker. There's no steady state for any of those things. And it takes a lot of effort to keep them moving in a positive direction. That's why I call us business building warriors. We're spinning a lot of plates. You know, my walk with God, my relationship with my wife, then my walk with my relationship with my kids. You know, those are that in that order. And then everything else after that, that's a lot of plates to spin if you're going to do life right. And it's not an easy path. But yeah, if you're not growing and expanding, so you're not going to reach this magical point here in three or four years where you just kind of step back and, oh, that was great. I mean, you can sell the business, but there's always going to be something next. You're going to be working on something. Oh, definitely. And, and you know what? It's going to be something based off of just extending from what I've learned through you guys. Uh, I, I don't plan on hanging up my boots completely Um my 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 father uh, and my stepfather are both the the people that uh, you know even after they retired they still kept busy they still kept working uh, I'm pretty much going to do the same you know just to keep busy. That's smart because that's how you live a long life. You look at the guys who say hey, in my uh, late forties or in my late thirties or whatever the number is it's going to be all about me doing what I want to do when I want to do because I got a bunch of money in the bank now. Those guys don't live long, you know no. they. That's how they end movies with the guy with a bunch of money and he's going to be happily ever. That's not true. If you're not busy serving others somehow, doing something meaningful that provides value to others in some way, if you become all about you, the statistics tell us the guys that just stop and I'm just going to play golf and spend my money the rest of my life. They're not happy people. No, they're not. <laughs> they're, just not. they're not. There's very little fulfillment in that. There isn't. Yeah. We're designed, I believe, by God to serve others. And when we stop doing it, we kind of get miserable. That's hardwired into us. You can try to deny it and try to fight it, but it's hardwired in. If you make life about you, you know, that's the, that's the Scrooge. That's, uh, you know, the, the Grinch that stole Christmas. You know, that's, that's the bad guys in the movies that make life all about them. We know it instinctually, right? So we're kind of getting off into the weeds, but this is good stuff, man, because this business leads you into relationships and opportunities and creating relation, creating relationships and opportunities for others. That's what all being an entrepreneur is. I love that model. Uh, I love the creativity that's sparked and the solutions in this community. Maybe the story behind the story here is if you're out there kind of feeling isolated, and I used to do more podcast episodes on this topic, doing business online is a very isolating thing. And especially in the time of COVID, we're even more isolated from each other. And we, you know, we haven't had our big events and we haven't had the, the gatherings. Uh, you've got to find a way to, to, to work on that. You can't do this business in isolation. You've heard Gene today talk about building relationships with you know, store managers and purchasers. And you may say, well, that's not really a relationship. Well, yeah, it is. Relationships come with degrees. I'm not saying that they you know, celebrate every weekend together by hanging out. I'm saying they know each other. They have their cell phone numbers. He's built a relationship. That is a vital part of your business. 
You can't make these things happen by yourself. You simply can't. You've got to build relationships. And the thing I love about the Amazon replin business model is it kind of forces you to do that. If you're going to do well, you're going to build relationships over time. You're going to see the same checkout people at the store. You're going to get to know some names. Uh, one of the kids I seem to keep running into at one of the stores I hit frequently for different things is, you know, I saw him working uh, at, towards the front and I was like, hey, what's your favorite potato chips? And he told me and I bought him a bag of it on the way out. I'm like, you're just, just for being awesome, right? And so what's that kid going to do in the future? You know, he's going to notice things. He's going to do me favors. He's going to help me out and I'm going to help him out. And now I've got a relationship. I can speak into a young man's life who knows at some point. Um, that's why we're doing all of this. So I don't know why I got on that soapbox for a minute, but I, you, you highlighted brilliantly, I think, and subtly at the same time. This is a relationship business. Always has been, always will be. E-commerce is relationship. Any business is a relationship business. Definitely. I mean, unless you're one of these people that thinks that you can go out, do a business, take a vacuum to suck up all the money and walk away without anybody seeing you, you're going to touch somebody else's life. You're going to impact somebody else in some fashion, whether it be good or bad. So, you know, I try to make sure that my my interactions are polite, are positive. Uh, you know, even going so far as to making sure that when I go in to buy stuff, even when I'm testing, you know, I'm not clearing the shelf. Uh, I had a lady, it was really, it was unfortunate, uh, but but very uh, uh, you know I- I- intentional. She she came. Uh, I was getting ready to clear out, and this is one of the reasons why I don't clear the shelves. I was getting ready to take all the product because that's what I needed. I needed fifteen boxes to test something, and and I was getting ready to take those off. And I pulled them. I was pulling them down, and this lady came over, and she could barely reach the shelf. And I said, "Are you know? Are you looking for for this product?" She says, "Yeah." It's a hard to find product. She goes, I guess you're taking them all. I said, no, no, I'm not here. Have three. And, and I just gave her, you know, she wanted one, but, you know, I, I gave her three. I said, here, you know, to ha- you know take them, keep them. Uh, but my point is, is that when I realized that, you know, hey, I'm impacting the people behind me, you know, that's actually where I grew my, my, uh, my relationship with the store is out of a desire not to hurt that lady and not more difficult for her. I, I'd actually bought all the items of a certain certain brand because I'm not against buying them buying them all as long as it's something that keeps he keeps coming back. I mean, we all make these little ethical decisions. I, I don't think there's anything unethical about clearing a shelf to business or doing it for transactions. But if you're doing it in a cold way that damages relationships, well, yeah, time to check yourself. So I was checking out and I had all of them. And the lady who was checking me, I was like, oh my gosh, I love these. I don't buy them very often because it's, you know, it's, it's such a treat. But man, I love these. Have you ever had them? And I'm like, to me, I'm thinking, no, this is just a replin. You know? But I'm like, oh, is it? I might have to try it sometime. These aren't for me, is all I said. But as we're, she's bagging up the 15, I'm like, slid her two of them. Like, hey, these are for you. Just for being awesome. You know, that's one of my favorites. Just, just for being awesome. You know, just a little chance to bless somebody. She's like, really? She had to call the manager over and like, are we allowed to get product from customer? And like, I said, hey, are we friends? And she said, yeah. I'm like, I just gave something to a friend. Are you not allowed to do that here? You know, and the manager laughed. I'm like, of course. Yeah, put it under the register. Uh, so it, we, you just have fun. And they're going to remember me. I'm going to remember them. And so the point is, you've, you've touched another humans. You've touched, you, you know, you've, you've made an impact. You've built a relationship. Whether it pays off in the future some way or not, that's what business is all about. If you're not building relationships as you go, you're doing it wrong. 
Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.